This is Ian Hartley, and I'm Warren Kay. Welcome to the Rediscovering God podcast. We invite you to join us as we endeavor to see Him more clearly, love Him more dearly, and follow Him more nearly. You will find the PDF document that we're following today on our website, rediscoveringgod.ca, where the recordings, the PDFs, the podcasts are all listed there. And you can share that website with your friends and they can follow along. We'd also really love to invite you to the Monday night Zoom discussion where we all gather in fellowship with each other, all us listeners of the podcast where we can come with our questions, comments, thoughts, um, resources. It's a wonderful time of encouragement where um, we get to affirm each other and encourage each other. Um, So that's a Monday nights at 7.30 Mountain Time. You can just type in 403-506-9201. And we'd love to have you there. So we continue our series on uh, the judgment of the saved. And uh, with the last podcast, we uh, talked about the fact that looking at New Testament and even Old Testament scripture, there's no question there is a coming judgment. But there's some things that need to be clarified in that process, because the question is, who is being judged? Uh, In some cases, God is being judged. In some cases, Uh, The saints are doing the judging, so we can't just assume that God is our judge and we sit in fear, and as we've looked more carefully, we discover that there is no fear for God's people in the judgment, that he doesn't initiate the judgment. It's the accuser that initiates, and he simply presides over it, and so we looked at uh, the story in Zechariah of uh, Joshua, the high priest, and uh, was We found that very encouraging with our first case study. And so today we continue with further case studies that will look at various aspects of the judgment. Thank you, Warren, for that introduction. Our case study is Revelation 14, verse 6 to 7. And we're suggesting that God is being judged by people. This judgment is located at the end of the age or the end of the world, since its context is chapters 13 and 14 of Revelation. These chapters have to do with the image to the beast and death for all who do not receive the beast's mark. And this takes place at the end of time. So here's the story, Sasha. Before we get to the story, you're saying that God isn't doing the judging here. It's the people that are judging God. Yes. And, and that is a very unusual picture uh, within Christianity. There's only one person that I've heard describe God as being judged, and that was Paul Young in the book, The Shack. Usually 
Christianity says God is sovereign. He can do whatever he wants. And we have no right, no reason to question. So this is a, quite a, a, an interesting take. Let's see if it comes true. Yeah. Okay. The story. Then I saw, yeah. Then I saw another angel flying in midair. And he had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth, to every nation, tribe, language, and people. He said in a loud voice, fear God and give him glory because the hour of his judgment has come. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Okay, contrary to some translations, this is not God judging people, but people judging God. This claim can be established from four different perspectives. So um, I want you to be very critical about the points as we make them and see if they are true for you. Linguistically, if I say the hour of John's judgment has come, I mean that John is being judged. I do not mean that John is judging. Are you with me on that? I am with you, yes. Yeah. And I think it's only because we know God is the judge, so we just expect that it's God's time to do the judging. But that's not what it says. Right, and I really actually had to read it over again to hear what you were actually saying. <laughs> Point number one, linguistically. Um, I believe it's uh, realistic to say that God is being judged contextually. The angel has good news of the Gospels to accredit his announcement. If God was judging or condemning sinners, it would not be good news. I yeah. think that's key right there. You're right. But I never noticed that before. Yeah. So just before I go on, I don't know if you noticed that this is the everlasting gospel. That means the gospel was there before Jesus died. Yeah. Has always been there. Yeah. So I thought about that a bit. What, what was the gospel? before Jesus died. Well, you could say the gospel, the good news was that Jesus is going to die, but here's another possibility. This is what I think, uh, you know, when God makes his promise to Abraham, he doesn't talk about Jesus dying and all that kind of stuff. He just says to him, hey, I know you by name. You're very important to me. Mm. I love you. That's I think that's the everlasting gospel. Yeah. That puts a huge smile on my face. If that, if you could see me, that's what I have, ear to ear grin. Yeah. Yeah. I see you. And that goes back to what you referenced in the last podcast when we're talking about Sarai, how she says, you are the God that sees me. Yeah. And I, that stood out because I just thought, wow, what, what does that say about her and how she sees herself as someone not seen and that God is the one who sees her. And she recognizes that. And I just think that ties in so nicely. Yeah, you're referring to, to Hagar, right? Oh, sorry. Yes, uh, yes, oh. Hagar, sorry. Yeah. Mm. And, and she certainly felt unseen. And yet now she realizes that God does see her and her plight. It's a good insight. Okay, so the fourth reason that I have is that theologically, the long-standing judgment by human beings is about God. 
uh, Eve uh, judged God as withholding something from her. So this idea of us judging God goes back right to the Garden of Eden. So the, the serpent says to her, you know, if you eat from this tree, you're going to be wise like God. So she made a judgment call there. Yeah. We judge God as selfish. And, you know, human beings, even atheists, often cry out, why did God allow this tragedy? Mm -hmm. Insurance language describes disasters as acts of God. Is that clear that humans judge God all the time? Right, yeah. Yeah. This is not a foreign concept. This yeah. passage, uh, 14 from 6 to 12, is concerned with worship. The first one, uh, first angel calls people to worship God. Uh, the second one says, uh, Babylon's fallen, don't worship Babylon. And the third one says, don't worship the beast, because there are awful consequences for worshiping the beast. So this whole passage about these three angels, all about worship. So we may, we are called upon to make a, a, a decision or a choice about who we will worship. Who will we judge worthy of our worship, God or Babylon or the beast? This is a judgment called by worshipers. And there's a parallel judgment of God during the millennium. We'll talk about that in Revelation 20. So before we ask our questions, do you want to say anything uh, more? I, I think you've covered those three areas very well, linguistically, contextually, and theologically. It becomes very clear that, that God is the one being judged as we've been judging him all along. And it's just mm -hmm. now coming into a focus that he's saying, I want your worship. Judge me as worthy of worship so that we can wrap this whole thing up. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's so good. So when does this judgment take place? Well, from the context, uh, it's right at the end of time. Who does the judging? Those who are alive. Yeah. I guess those who are alive on earth. If we go back to verse six, um, then I saw another angel flying in midair. He had the eternal gospel to proclaim to those who live on the earth every nation, tribe, language, and people. And he said in a loud voice, fear God, give him glory, because the hour of his judgment has come. In other words, vote for God. Mm -hmm. <laughs> right. Worship him who made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and the springs of water. Is there a jury? The people, are the angels watching everything here? Yeah. I think they... You know, a third of the angels judged God unworthy of their worship. They would be um, voting against God in this judgment. And two-thirds of the angels will be voting for God. Mm -hmm. So who well, is the accused? Yeah? Sorry. I was just going to say, I think then that really does come, um, how Satan has then, uh, you know, sort of deceived us in the sense to give us the uh, a wrong picture of God that, that God is, you know, not trustworthy. And so when we come from that perspective, I can totally see how this is a really challenging thing for, if we view the angel coming to say, 
you know, who are you going to worship? Are you, you know, with this proclamation, you know, worship God, who is the creator of all and all the good things. But if we don't view him in uh, a loving, that he is loving, or that he is someone that we can trust, it's going to be hard for us then to make that judgment call of him to be a good God that we yeah. would want to serve. So he has really caused damage there, real trauma for us. So who is the accused? God. God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And who is the accuser who initiates this judgment? Well, it goes back to Satan and all those yeah. who believed his lies. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, we'll get to Revelation chapter 6 when people cry on the rocks and the mountains to fall on them and hide them from the Lamb. So they've judged God uh, not worthy of their uh, fellowship. You know, they don't want to have anything to do with God. Yeah, they're not worshiping him. No. Mm. Who is the defender of God? Proclaiming angel. The announcing angel is inviting everyone to make up their minds and, and worship him, judge him worthy of worship. Mm-hmm. And warning them about worshiping Babylon or the beast. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And what is the verdict? Well, God is found worthy of worship. He is righteous in every way. Yeah, that's what Revelation is full of. Who enforces the verdict? Uh, If one of you could read verse 18 of chapter 14, please. Then another angel who had power to destroy with fire came from the altar. He shouted to the angel with the sharp sickle, swing your sickle now to gather the clusters of grapes from the vines of the earth, for they are ripe for judgment. So the verdict is that God is uh, worthy of worship and the people who've accused him uh are wrong and Mm. they are destroyed of course this raises the whole issue of who is this angel from the altar who uh destroys and who's the angel with a sickle and because we're talking about judgments we're not going to get sidetracked on that one during this podcast Mm -hmm. so let's go to case study number three Uh, This is the judgment at the second coming. Mm. So here's the story, Sasha. All right. Then everyone, the kings of the earth, the rulers, the generals, the wealthy, the powerful, and every slave and free person all hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains. And they cried to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who is able to survive? That's uh, Revelation 6, verse 15 to 17. So when does this judgment take place? Well, it'll be at the second coming. Yeah. Uh, The Lamb is coming in the clouds, and this is how uh, those who've rejected the Lamb feel. Mm -hmm. Well, and isn't this so sad though that the idea of that that people are just absolutely terrified of the lamb who you've already talked about like who is afraid of a little lamb you know that idea of this perfect innocent uh gentle creature 
um, but that there has been such a deception that mm. people will view God as wrathful, vengeful coming. Um, it, it's like my radar goes off now, you know, and I'm like, clearly, this isn't who we are talking about. So who does the judging? Who decides they they'd rather die than see the lamb? Um, the people who are in hiding in the rocks and and the caves, the lost yeah, people here. It's the lost. And they judge themselves as Judas did, that they would rather die than face God or the Lamb. You know, Judas is really prophetic of the end of the world because he throws the money back. He says, I've betrayed innocent blood. Uh, so like he's, he's confessed, he's made restitution, um, he's done everything right. And then he goes and hangs himself or executes himself. Mm -hmm. It's really very sad. And uh, this is a story with the lost. They judge themselves unworthy of living. And there's this cry for a mass suicide. Mm -hmm. Is there a jury? Well, I, I guess the angels are observing all of this happen. Mm -hmm. And what about the saints? Yeah, I guess they would be um, as well. It's uh, horrific, you know, uh, if you think of, uh, you might know some of those people. So the, the thing that's tweaked in my mind is, they cry for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them, but it doesn't say that the rocks and the mountains actually do. Uh, it just kind of, that's the cry of their heart. It doesn't really describe what actually happens. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll come to that and who enforces the verdict. Okay. So who, who is being accused? Yeah, the people who are, they are accusing God. Yeah. And the lamb. Mm -hmm. So yes. the great day of their wrath has come and who is able to survive. So they're accusing God of, of being angry with them. He's not worthy of their worship in their minds. Right. Uh, who is the accuser who initiates this judgment? Well, verse 16 says, They cried to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us, hide us from the face of the one who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. So they initiating this uh, judgment. They want to be delivered from this awful God that's mm. coming to earth. That's so interesting because it really is very encompassing at the beginning uh, where it talks about, you know, free and slave and generals, the powerful, the wealthy. Like it's just such a, a broad grouping there and then we're saying that there's that happening and then there's the people who are seeing him come and their response is completely like oh my goodness abba father you're here like daddy you are here you're you're like it's such a welcome thing yeah you know i always think of uh, uh when i was a little boy and my mother used to say to me uh, you wait till daddy gets home. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and yeah. normally, I, you know, I watched for my dad coming home and ran to meet him. Uh, but when my mother had said that, um, 
Right. <laughs> I went the opposite way. Right. And my dad didn't know anything about the discussion between my mother and myself. <laughs> He didn't know he was going to have to be the bad guy when he got home, hey? Yeah. So who's the defender? Who's trying to defend these people? Well, uh, it's the angel in chapter 7. See, chapter 6 ends with uh, who shall be able to stand. And chapter 7 uh, answers that question. And it says... I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding back the four winds. So they did not blow on the earth or the sea or even on any tree. And I saw another angel coming up from the east, carrying the seal of the living God. And he shouted to those four angels who had been given power to harm the land and the sea, wait, don't harm the land or the sea or the trees until we have placed the seal of God on the foreheads of our servants. There's the angel who wants to save the lost from their mm. destiny. What is the verdict? Well, the lost would prefer death to life with God. And God is not one to withhold their wish and keep them in uh, eternal um, ang anguish. Yeah. So this is where Judas is so relevant. Who enforces the verdict? Judas. Hmm. So who enforced the verdict on Judas? Right. He did. He yeah. did himself. Right. And so I would say from the parallel that uh, the lost, um, the righteous are taken to heaven and the salt of the earth, the light of the world is gone. And so those that remain on the earth uh, destroy each other. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. This is yeah. so interesting. I'm just being reminded, actually, as you're talking about this, of a dream that I had, a recurring dream I had as a young child when I learned about uh, the second coming. And in, in context of whether the people were afraid or whether they were excited for Jesus to come. And in my dream, I was always very excited that Jesus was coming and I was on a boardwalk and at, at the very end of the boardwalk, I could see that Jesus had come and all the people were going up to heaven, but I couldn't lift off the ground. My feet would, stayed on the boardwalk and I, and I didn't get to go up. And I was just so unbelievably sad. And it was just every time I, I would never able to, to get off that boardwalk. And this is funny enough, just bringing me like, kind of like a, a, a resolution to this dream that, as the child, I was excited to see Jesus coming and that that really was all I needed to know is that that would mean that I was saved. <laughs> yeah. You know, that is so cool. I'm getting a full circle um, healing session here. This is powerful stuff, guys. <laughs> oh. Thank you, Sasha. Um, I think we have time for one more case study. Okay. Uh, we're going to look at Revelation 20, verse 1 to 6. Um, Revelation 20, verse 1 to 6. And this is where the judge, the saints, actually judge God. Mm. Uh, so we've had the lost judging God in case study three. 
in Revelation 6. Now we're in Revelation 20. And we're suggesting that this is a judgment of God by the saints. So, uh, Sasha, you want to read the story, please? Then I saw an angel coming down from heaven with the key to the bottomless pit and a heavy chain in his hand. He seized the dragon, that old serpent who is the devil, Satan, and bound him in chains for a thousand years. The angel threw him into the bottomless pit, which he then shut and locked so Satan could not deceive the nations anymore until the thousand years were finished. Afterward, he must be released for a little while. Okay. So the, uh, this is the segue, the introduction, the backstory of what's going to happen. And then, uh, Warren, uh, if you can read the judgment. Then I saw thrones and the people sitting on them have been given the authority to judge. And I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their testimony about Jesus and for proclaiming the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or his statue, nor accepted his mark on their foreheads or their hands. They all came to life again, and they reigned with God for a thousand years. Thank you. And can you read verse 5, please? This is the first resurrection. The rest of the dead did not come to back, back to life until the thousand years had ended. Blessed and holy are those who share in the first resurrection. For them, the second death holds no power, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him a thousand years. Thank you. So I want to remind you that uh, in uh, Revelation 6, verse 10, uh, it's under the fifth seal. You have these souls under the altar that cry out for redress. And they say, how long until you avenge our blood? Mm. Well, this is the answer to that. Um, th this is when uh, the judgment takes place in response to their cry for redress. Uh, mm -hmm. So notice uh, that this happens during the millennium. It's bracketed by the first resurrection and the second resurrection. So it's during that thousand years. Right. This, Comfortable with that, Sasha? Um, yeah, it's just coming together for me now as you're saying that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, these people are sitting on thrones and they're given authority to judge in verse four. So the saints are in heaven and the lost are not in heaven. What is there to judge? That's my question, yes. <laughs> Well, I think the, um, the mother's heart who discovers that one of her children is not there will have questions. And, and so I think it's, it's an opportunity for the saved to judge God as they discover the verdict that has happened uh, as to who has been saved and who has, has not been saved. Yeah. That's good. So here's the wonderful part about God. He didn't make that decision. Mm -hmm. That decision was made by the individuals. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, but he's still willing uh, to be judged. 
you know, it's like he's got uh, got nothing to hide. Yeah. Well, and I think the clarification that it it's not about the fact that who like the son in this story, it's not that the son didn't live a good enough life or that he hadn't gotten perfect or anything like that. Um, it would have then just meant that he didn't believe that God was who he said he was. You, uh, which son are you talking about, Sasha? Uh, in, in Warren's story, uh, the mother oh, who... okay, yeah, yeah, I get that, it. Seeing the son. Mm -hmm. The mother is concerned as to why her son isn't there. Yeah. Right, so that she then gets a chance to see that her son didn't judge God as worthy to be trustworthy or that, you know what I mean? Like that he didn't believe in him and that it wasn't that he hadn't just lived a perfect enough life or anything like that. As I'm learning about this. Yeah. Truth now. yeah. No, that's good. So maybe we can answer the questions. When does this happen? You're happy that this happens during the millennium. Mm -hmm. Yeah. During that. Yeah. Who does the judging? The the saved. Yeah, they're sitting on thrones and they've been given authority to judge according to verse four. Yeah. So is there a jury? I haven't considered that. Don't you think all the saved uh, will be watching how God deals with any questions? Yeah, mm -hmm. true. And then Daniel 7 indicates that angels have a profound interest in these kind of judgments about God. Mm -hmm. So who is the accused? I think it's it's God again. Yeah. Why isn't my son here? Yeah. Right. Uh-huh. Yeah. But that even, too, <laughs> is such a departure from the idea, the traditional belief that, that you know, it would be the the lost or the sinners then being judged in that sense. I, I just, it always comes about and it surprises me. And, and it's such a beautiful picture to me that here are uh, the, the, the lost have not been resurrected back to life. Mm -hmm. They're, they're asleep. They haven't mm -hmm. been internally destroyed. And, and mm -hmm. so God gets a chance to, um, be very open. We get a chance to ask questions that, if, you know, as if to think that we could come up with some information that God didn't have that could save mm -hmm. someone that we knew. And, and he, could, he could make that happen because they hadn't been eternally destroyed. So he does right. all this before it's been um, finalized. Well, and even reference to that when the city comes down, Ian, you know, you pointed out that the city gates are open. Mm -hmm. There is continual picture of that. God is actually trustworthy, continues on all the way to the very, very end. Who's the defender? This idea that God and, and Jesus here are, it's almost like they are going to be the grief counselors and they're going to be the ones to say, Oh my goodness, this beautiful this beautiful child of mine, you know, this is where he couldn't see it or, or whatever else. Like, I mean, it's just beautiful. Yeah. He, he's going to demonstrate to them or reveal to, to all of us 
everything that he did to, to save every person on this planet. So God's defending himself, I guess. Yeah. With, you know, because there is talk about that there is this time where he is wiping away the tears. And this always comes back to me where that you talked, Warren, about the, the leaves uh, for the healing of the nations. And so also in, in this kind of context where everyone is really, this is a really sober time, obviously, where people are getting a chance to see what God has done and all the ways that he's tried to show himself, um, but that he is ultimately going to be comforting as well. The woman, I love that you use that story that there's the mother there who's going, but my son isn't here. Please, please show me why he isn't here. What a beautiful picture. So the last question we ask uh, with this judgment as with other judgments, who enforces the verdict? Who keeps um, the lost out of heaven and out of the holy city? Um, And the answer to that is that these are the consequences of rebellion. Um, Satan does not want uh, to be righteous. Um, He is settled in his unrighteousness and all those consequences, and this is true for the lost. And uh, we'll talk about this uh, a little bit later in another case study about how the gates in the holy city are open and any one of the lost could come in if they wanted to, but they prefer to attack the city with all the consequences to that. I would say the verdict of lostness is enforced uh, by the consequences of the rebellion. Mm. Yeah. You know, who, puni- who punishes the smoker? Who punishes the alcoholic? Who punishes the, the addicted? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, there. When God says the day you eat thereof, you will die, he's not saying I'm going to kill you. He's saying you're going to die emotionally and spiritually, and eventually you will die physically because of the consequences of your choice. Right. Right. And that that is so crucial to realize it's not God killing people at the end of time. He's trying to save us from the sin that will eventually destroy us. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we've got uh, three more case studies to do. We'll do them on the third podcast. Um, thank you for those who have listened uh, to this podcast and uh, remind you that if you want to talk about some of these questions, Monday night at uh, 7.30 Mountain Time, um, you can join us uh, as uh, Sasha has advertised it at the beginning of the podcast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I've enjoyed being with the two of you again. And uh, let's pray together. Dear God, thank you for Sasha and Warren in my life, the meaning and value they bring to me. Thank you, dear God, for going to the ends of the cosmos, the end of heaven, the ends of the earth, 
to rescue us from our own willful wayward ways. You are amazing. We could never have invented you. You are beyond our imagination. And it is our joy to worship you and declare that you are the mighty lover of the universe. You have forever captured our hearts and we are happy. Amen. Thank you for joining us today on this journey to understand the God that Jesus knew. To enable you to share this with your friends, we've developed a website at www.rediscoveringgod.ca where all the podcasts are posted and you can also download a PDF document that gives you the passages that we've been looking at in each podcast that you can review, follow along, or share also with your friends. In addition to the website, you can reach us at rediscoveringgod20 at gmail.com if you have questions or just would like to share with us. We would be glad to hear from you. Thank you so much.